Hello and welcome to episode 123 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ian Roxburgh, and I'm joined today by my fellow gamers, Matt. Yo. And Brody. Hello. Now, Brody, before the start of the show, Matt was complaining about how hot it is over there. Are you sweltering as well? I've actually got a very good air conditioning system, so it's... Uh, I'm in a singlet. Yeah, I've, shorts, got a, I've got a really good I air conditioning just... system, too. It's called uh, it's called the uh, United Kingdom. It's uh, really, yeah. really solid. It's minus one to the point, at the moment, actually. <laughs> I'm to the point where I've got a chill. I'm thinking about putting on some pants, if I'm being honest. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Does that make it's you feel a bit jealous, Matt? Well, I was gonna like discuss everyone and saying, "Well, I'm I'm not wearing any pants because it's so hot." So, um, mm. yeah, that's an image I didn't need in my head. There you go. <laughs> me and my me and my housemates have a standing order that we are we don't use the heater in winter because it's easier to rug up, but yeah. we'll have the AC blasting like th- three months straight during summer. So yeah. we just agree to pay the electricity when it comes and just deal with it. I think our, that makes like, a lot of sense. I think our quarterly for like the summer last year was like $1,200 or something. Oh, yeah. damn. It was silly. But Those electricity it was prices, man. Yeah. So if, you cool. saved, if you saved in the in the colder months, then, you know, it, it equals, equals out. So. Exactly. That's what I figure. Yeah. I love how like even gaming in summer becomes kind of problematic. Like the, yeah. my PlayStation is definitely louder through the, play, the summer months than it is in the winter months. I, I get really <laughs> well, concerned about it. I remember when Battlefield, this is going back a bit, but Battlefield 3 came out on the PS3 and mm. I was playing it in in my room and I was playing it in the dark, you know, like had had the windows, curtains, everything closed, had the fan going because that's, you know, the closest thing I have to, you know, cooling. And uh-huh. um, not only was the PS3 like full on, you could hear the fans, you know, going rocket powered, but... Um, mm the game actually started slowing down. Like, it's the first time I've ever seen a console game slow down, so that's the how hot it melting. So, yeah. 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 Um, so I, I, think... I turned it off and uh, said, okay, we're not playing Battlefield tonight, so... <laughs> I think uh, when I got my Yellow Light of Death and my original PS3, that was, like, during the summer, because just, you know, the circuitry had just melted away. It was just way too hot. <laughs> the joys of the joys of gaming in Australia, I guess. Uh, well, on the show this week, we're going to be talking about EA, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, Destiny 2, and Serial. Uh, but let's begin with EA, because following the controversy surrounding Battlefront 2's loot boxes, EA stocks have dropped one, 8.5% month to date. Uh, as compared to their two po- their two percent gain uh, in the previous year, uh, and it's wiped out 3.1 billion billion with a b of shareholder value that comes according to cnbc uh brody do you think they deserve this after the, all the controversy surrounding the loot boxes um oh pfft. i mean plenty more billions where that came from as far as ea is concerned i'm sure but um yeah i think this whole loot box thing has been a bit overblown uh, we've talked about it previously like i mm. i don't have that much stake in it it doesn't bother me all that much i know it's sort of there's a lot of people that think it like sort of unevens the playing field in multiplayer but um Mm. yeah oh well i suppose if anything it's it's gamers voting with their wallets and they'll certainly uh adjust the situation but yeah there's been a lot of yeah i've got a bit of a bad rep lately like they which year was it they were voted like america's worst company or something like that 
I think it was year. like a couple of years, yeah. Yeah, or they they might have it a few years running or something. Like, which is mm. pretty astounding considering there's some pretty despicable companies in that country. So, I think it's just you know it's part gamer outrage, part probably justified uh, uh, sort of angst against loot boxes in general because they did are up, problematic at times. Yeah, did you end up buying the game? Yeah, I ended up buying it. Yeah. Okay. I got what, did you, what did you make of it? Did, like, did it sort of hamper your experience with it at all? Or? Well, I haven't, I haven't really played a great deal of the multiplayer uh, at this okay. point. I played, okay. um, yeah, I played through the campaign and I played a bit of the arcade stuff, which is basically just like prefab scenarios that mm. p- put you in the roles of heroes and stuff. So I can't say it's hampered me, but I, I like I said, I haven't really played the multiplayer just yet. Hmm. What about yourself, Matt? What do you make of this? Like, is is this, uh, as Brody said, sort of gamers voting with their wallets? Did you join join that side of the argument? Have you bought it? Uh, I haven't bought it. Uh, someone gifted me a copy. Um, uh-huh. So one of your you big know. fans. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I um personally, uh, you know, like. It, they'll they'll get their money back. Um, you know, like their shares will rise again. Um, mm. You know, undoubtedly their shares will rise again. Um, but I think that uh, you know, for once in the you know in the in the modern age, we're starting to see that people are uh, you know taking note of things that you know gamers want and things that gamers don't want. I mean, we've we've. We've always heard, like, we've consistently heard that it's like, oh, but gamers are going to love this and gamers don't love it. But most of the time, you know, they end up dealing with it either way. But this, you know, like the whole controversy surrounding it, uh, you know, was a lot bigger this time around. And I guess it was the, it was the event that, uh, like, you know, because the whole loot box thing and, and, you know, the the situation regarding loot boxes and everything was already Mm -hmm. on edge uh, just before Battlefront 2, you know, came out. Like, you know, there's there's been inquiries in, in other countries about loot boxes being forms of gambling, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and issues like that. And I guess that, you know, EA, EA were the fall guys, if anything, um, and they wore it. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, if you if you see that, like, you know, share prices and, and sort of stock prices are uh, everything to a big company... Um, mm-hmm. So looking at that, you know, like I think it could be the you know the like steps into not screwing the consumer over. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess that it's a precedent that you know we'll only see how game companies react from here on in in regards to loot boxes and and everything else. Um, so it could be a good thing, but it could also be a bad thing. So yeah, yeah, I got to admit, like I. I, as as listeners will know, I was very very excited for uh, for Battlefront Two. I'm a massive Star Wars fan, but all this sort of really just took the wind down my sails. Um, that and the sort of mixed reviews that sort of came out around release. I was like, well, I've got the expansion Horizon Zero Dawn still to play, and I'd like to sink some more time into Call of Duty. So I, I've still I've still not picked it up yet. Don't get me wrong, I think I will, um, but it just kind of reduced my enthusiasm a little bit. Um, going back to what Matt just said there, though, Brody, like, do you think EA going to learn from this? Can, can we expect to see loot, loot boxes in future EA games? Uh, maybe not in future EA games. I feel like they might try and buck the trend a little bit, obviously because this has affected them in a, mm. in a big way, like it's hit them in the hip pocket. But um, like, I feel like 
gamers in general must be like a real like the ones we hear from they must be a bit of a vocal minority because obviously there's a market for it they obviously companies make huge amounts of money off these loot boxes and stuff like that so i mean it was still the number one selling game in australia right wait uh, i mean it's still not too sure must have sold reasonably well yeah and i mean like games with microtransactions and stuff generally always do pretty well so i mean i don't think they're going anywhere on the bigger scale Mm. but i think the way they're handled might be changed a bit because i I would argue that if battlefront 2 wasn't ea i don't reckon it would have had quite the fallout it did yeah i I think ea because of their reputation that that has only it's almost like the whole sort of like um healthy fast food trend that we saw right like i i thought it was so unfair that during that period there was such a focus on mcdonald's and like mcdonald's purely because they are like sort of the big head honcho they were under the microscope and so they sort of had Mm. to introduce salads and all of this well meanwhile like you know kfc red rooster you know all the other fast food joints they were sort of like doing their own own sort of thing and largely escaped all of that debate and I feel like EA is kind of copying the worst of it here as well. Maybe rightfully so, maybe not. I'm not. I'm not really going to judge that. I don't really. I, I. I don't really know. I don't really have an opinion on that. But because um, mm. I it mean, felt, it felt like they copped the worst of it. Yeah, and I mean, every every sign is pointing to that companies are still going to be introducing. What uh, whatever Take Two called it? They called it um, recurring. Uh, what was it? Recurring opportunities for player spending or something like that. Right, like they, yeah. they, they, they want all their games going forward to have opportunities to uh, encourage recurring income, mm-hmm. which is uh, probably ties into your next point, kind of, I think, regarding this. Yeah, so coming through uh, from Jewel Shockers, they were reporting that during a presentation to investors, EA CFO Blake Jorgensen addressed the closure of Visceral, saying that Star Wars games was, quote, saying their Star Wars game was, quote, much more of a linear game that people don't like as much today as they did five years ago or ten years ago. Uh, so I guess that's sort of harking back to the idea that, yeah, we're looking for more sort of service-based, uh, service-orientated games nowadays where they can yeah. continually kind of generate money off you. Um, do you think yeah, see, like, that statement's sort of true in this day and age? Well, I'm personally, no. I mean, all the all the most memorable, memorable and uh, best games I can think of from the last generation have been like single player linear games. Mm. Um, I think this is just company fluff saying that, like, look, we want to monetize our games, so we can't give you linear games because there's no replayability in that sense. Uh huh. So I think that's all it comes down to. If they can't make more money off it after the fact. Like, obviously, through DLC you can, but that requires more work. Whereas mm. if they can implement some sort of loot system that's, mm. like, gated off through loot boxes, then, you know, obviously that's preferred. So, which you don't find in linear games. Like, you won't find loot boxes in Uncharted because you'll play through that once, enjoy the story, and then be done with it. Uh-huh. Uh, and and to, so, you, hmm. to you, Matt, um, do you think... Like, do you think this is indicative of like larger sort of development cycles, more expensive development cycles? Like, do they did these game publishers just need to make more money back, and is that why they're sort of having to operate operate this way? Do you think that's that's the cause of it, the underlying cause? No, I think that um, I think this is I think this is something that's kind of stemmed from. I mean, like, well, I understand that you know uh the developers and publishers you know want to make a profit and they're always consistently wanting to make a profit but they're also wanting to make you know good games 
mm-hmm. and I think this this is like you know like we had years back the the concern about uh, online passes, which was the the way to get around pre-owned game sales because developers didn't want yeah they were they weren't making any money off pre-owned game sales mm. um and this is the new controversy is that now they're finding that they're making their money back from the games but it's getting to a certain point where they're not making any more on online purchases um you know unless you unless they're you know like there's a way to entice people to actually do it um mm. And I think I think that's that's the current thing. Yeah, you know, that's the current issue that we face. You know, in the gaming landscape, is that you know, gamers want something that entertains them and keeps them occupied, but at the same time, they don't want to be funneling hundreds of thousands of dollars of their you know their hard earned into once they've already purchased a game. Um, yeah. You know, and at the same time, developers want to maximize the profit from their game while you know, minimizing the, the amount of work that they have to put into it. Um, and so you end up with this strange, like, you know, imbalance. It's either a poor game and it gets received poorly and it doesn't sell, or you get this great game, which, you know, plays out really well and everything, but then they're not still not making, you know, the profit margins that they're hoping they'd make. Um, Mm. and I think that like, it comes to a certain point where the longevity of a game, because I mean, like you look at you look at the current console generation, and it's going up in increments rather than being entirely new generations. I mean, the jump from the PS3 to the PS4 was significant. Jump from PS2 to PS3 was significant. But we're we're kind of hitting a point where there's not much further to go without releasing a brand new console, but that brand new console, you know, like you look at the Xbox One X, which is, you know, almost growing into like a PC, uh, you know, ecosystem. And eventually Mm. if consoles hit that, it's going to be harder for companies to release sequels to games and stuff like that because, you know, the existing game, they can just keep releasing patches to make it look better and better. Um, And I think the the whole point, because I feel like I've got a bit convoluted here, is that you know the longevity of games is you know it's it's grown it's grown out to a longer longer thing so rather uh-huh. than investing money in new IPs or in sequels and whatever what they're trying to do is they're trying to get as much money as out of the current game as they can before mm-hmm. they they make the jump into the next game um and i think like we kind of we kind of saw a bit of that with, you know, the original Battlefront is that, you know, a lot of, it, it felt like it wasn't a, you know, a whole game in itself. It was almost like a test run, um, you know, cause there was, there was good things about it, but that, you know, a lot of people were left wanting, you know, wanting more out of it. Um, mm. But I think, you know, they've kind of gone about it in the wrong way in that, you know, like they've put more into Battlefront 2, but then they've gone, oh, and now you have to either, you know, uh, slave your life away to get a, a loot box or you can you know pay to win so mm. yeah yeah i think you, i think you make some good points there but yeah i for one don't want to see uh linear, your linear games go anywhere like you like you said brody uh they uh some of the standout narrative experiences we've had over the last kind of couple of console generations have been linear experiences 
Um, but speaking about making money, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is coming to mobile. Uh, Chinese tech giant Tencent has revealed they have formed a partnership with Bluehole to bring Player Unknown's Battlegrounds to mobile devices. This is in addition to them helping bring the game to China. It's unclear at the moment if this will be a fully fledged version of the game or just a light version with the same name. Brody, would you be excited to play Battlegrounds on your phone? No, I don't think so. Nah. I don't think games like this translate well to phones and mobile devices. Personally, no. I mean, it's not for me. Like, I've never played a shooter on, on my phone and thought, oh, this is the definitive version of this game. So, um, I mean, it's good for some, I suppose, if you're out and about always on the go. But generally when I'm out, like I've said in regards to my Switch, I never take it with me on the go because I'm generally always out doing things. Mm. So um, this is not a game I'll probably play on the on the go. I'll I'll stick to uh getting it on Xbox. I think when it when it finally comes out. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, so very excited for it to come to Xbox. But it'll be interesting to see if this maybe like paves the way for it coming to uh, to Switch or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I just don't think that like mobile phones are sort of the right right platform for it at all. Like the co- controls would be awkward. The fact that it relies mm. so heavily on network connectivity, like it just doesn't. I, I suspect it will be some sort of simplified version of the game to some degree. I think, but I find yeah, it very like hard good. to imagine playing it without a mouse and keyboard or at least a controller. Yeah. You'd need mm. like a monster data plan too, I'm sure. Yeah. Does this excite you though, Matt? Is this something you'd be keen on? Uh, no. Um, have you have you played any Battlegrounds? I I haven't it- played Battlegrounds because my PC is not up to scratch and I don't yeah. have an Xbox. Um, but the reason that I don't think this will work, it like look at it this, look at it this way. It's go- it'll work in China um, because it's you know ten cents a Chinese um, you know gaming. Uh, publisher uh, mm. and it's it's intended to bring it to China and China is like, an entirely different gaming ecosystem to yeah you know that's the rest a huge of the world. market for starters I mean, they only recently you know in the, within the past I think year uh, got access to sort of current consoles that were actually branded by you know Sony and Microsoft and everything so they're they're mm. now experiencing sort of a legitimized gaming boom that they haven't seen in a long time. So that's why a lot of things are growing a lot faster in that market than it is here. But they're also a culture that's consistently on the go. Um, so they have a lot of mobile devices over there and, you know, um, a lot of time spent sort of out and about rather than, you know, at home in front of a console. So I can see I can see why it's going, like how it's going to work over there and why it's going to work for them. But, you know, considering that our infrastructure here in Australia is still pretty poor compared to the rest of the world, um, you know, like we just fall behind in so many sort of, as- you know, so many uh, aspects. Um, mm. I don't see it working here or I don't see it working to the same extent that it would, um, you know, in a, in a nation such as that, so... Yeah, yeah, I think we're all pretty much on the on the same sort of boat there. Uh, so let's move on. Destiny 2 is going to receive some major changes. Uh, they Following some sort of recent controversy surrounding... Uh, more controversy, I know. Uh, some of their handling of XP, uh, they've announced a whole bunch of updates with the goals of deepening rewards for advanced players, providing more player control of obtaining rewards, making shards more useful by adding them uh, adding things to use for them and providing general quality fixes wherever possible. Brody, I know you're a big Destiny guy. Um, I think mm-hmm. you played far, far more of it than than I did. Uh, what do these updates mean to you? Are they gonna keep you playing a bit longer? <clears throat> um. Well, like I was telling you earlier, I've um 
I've actually not played Destiny 2 in quite a while. I've sort of just been sitting out waiting for the uh, the expansion, which comes out on the 5th of December, I believe. Mm. Um, so, and that, that's because I hit a point where, like, I had all three of my characters to 305. Like, I had pretty much full sets of raid gear. Like, I felt like yeah. there was nothing for me. I feel like the end game, which is what they're working on, obviously, like, the end game needs a lot more work. There's no incentive for players like me who, like, sort of crushed through all the content and, like, had left ourselves with nothing to do, really. Mm. So there's there's no real redeeming uh, reason to come back. But it looks like... um, I'm just having a look through this. Um, what do we have? There I mean, is a add, whole ton of updates. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a bit here to, uh, to wet my whistle. But um, at the end of the day there's a lot of things that need balancing still like i don't know they mentioned that they're tuning underperforming exotic weapons but i mean i don't know if that's going to necessarily mean they're going to balance the weapons because multiplayer is mm. as, as i understand still a bit of a mess because it's just a scout rifle show um right. but it's good to know that they're tackling the uh both the mod economy for the game mm. because the mods are problematic in a way and just the general economy because uh, the game has a, a problem with it, too many currencies. Mm. Like you get you get tokens from every vendor. They have their own tokens that you give back to them. And then you've got legendary shards, which don't really do anything. Like you use legendary shards maybe once a week on Xur, who brings yep. loot that everyone already has. So yep. like they do need to introduce n- new reasons for us to spend these and just give us more things to do generally. Mm. Um, but I mean, obviously... The expansion's only a week or two away, so that'll get me back into the game. It's just whether they can, you know, keep tuning it to keep me there after yeah. they get, get through the content. Because, as I said earlier, I think um, after the raid came out uh, back in, I think it was late September-ish, mm-hmm. uh, there was, like, a massive drop-off of Destiny players. Like, I think it was, like, almost half the in the entire user base just, like, dropped off and stopped playing. Yeah, because there just wasn't enough to do. And I was one of them. Like, uh, I remember when the first Destiny came out, I kind of got to that level 20 and kind of went a little bit beyond there and I just realized it was going to become too much of a grind. And so I fell off Mm. of it. But then around the time the first expansion came out, I'm like, okay, I want to get back in and experience that. And that required me to sort of work up the levels again to to get up to that point where I could really sort of play the expansion um, and do the raid and stuff like that. So I got back into it and progressing the levels. uh, And uh, like all of a sudden I was sort of like infatuated with the game again. And so this time around with mm. Destiny 2, I'm like, I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to keep pushing up those levels, and I'm going to be aware that it's going to be a grind. I'm going to try and get ready for that raid and that expansion when they drop. But I've not done that. It's That's no. totally not happened. The exact same things happened again. As yeah. soon as it became a bit of a grind, I was like, uh, so I think I got to like 295, something like that, in my light level or whatever it's called this time around. Yep. And I'm like, yep. bounced out again. Um, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I just I just struggle. Like as soon as that grind hits, I'm like, just, yeah, because I mean, like, the there's, there's nothing there, really. to there's nothing to strive for. I mean, at least in Destiny One, like I would go back and try and get like the perfect roll for certain weapons and stuff like that. But they even took mm. uh, like they even took weapon rolls out in this game. Yeah, like they they've sort of dumbed everything down to try and make it more accessible. But they've also yeah. alienated people who want to you know go in for that hard grind. I'm yeah. hoping that Curse of Osiris, when it comes out, does have a bit of a... Because I, I was the same as you. I fell away in Destiny 1, 
and then came back real hard when the Taken King came out because mm-hmm. that was essentially like a new game almost and then everything changed like that that game pretty much nailed everything in terms of it's like its economy like the challenges like mm-hmm. it even had like an exotic weapon that you had to like really like deep dive into like some lore and like go through like this massive like labyrinth of like puzzles to like get this one weapon mm-hmm. and it's just stuff like that that i really get into so i'm yeah. hoping the, the curse of osiris has that sort of effect and it sort of revitalizes the game a bit because i, I miss destiny too i mean i put like yeah. I reckon I, I must have put like 300 hours into Destiny 2 already. Yeah. So I'm hoping part, to. I think part of the problem for me as well is that like it's such a social game in my mind that like what I mm. really got into Destiny was when I had my sort of like weekly group and we were going and doing the raid and doing the strikes and whatnot yeah, and we sort exactly. of had the same yeah. time every week when, when stuff dropped. Yeah. Um, and because of the, my situation now and the sort of time difference, like that's, that's become harder to do. Uh, yeah, true. So... I think that's maybe part of the problem as well. Um, Matt, I have no idea where you come down on Destiny 2. Are you, are you, have you been playing any Destiny at all? Are you a fan? Does, do these announcements do anything for you at all? I, I dropped off Destiny 1 basically around the same time you did, uh, and I yeah. can never pick it back up again because by the, by the time that I started showing a bit of interest in it again, everyone I knew that had played had already gone on to you know do bigger and better things. Mm. Um, and well, they the were end, like just, miles ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. And in the end, I just lost complete interest in the game. Um, lost complete interest in the story that they're trying to present. And yeah, in the end, I just like Destiny Two is coming out. And I'm like, eh, it's gone past me. It's you know, what, it's not the kind of. What thing about I the really perspective wanna... of them sort of handling handling all of this, um, following the sort of reveal? The, there was the reveal that. Uh, the amount of XP the game said that it was giving you wasn't, in fact, uh, representative of, of what you were actually receiving. Um, I think there was obviously the big lash ba- about that. They backpedaled and, and now announced all these updates. I think, Do you think they've handled this well? Is this a good response? I don't think they've handled it all too well. Like, they, they haven't handled it as terribly as, say, EA has, um, you know, with their controversy. But I think that the biggest the biggest issue i find is that like you know you've got game companies trying to be as transparent as possible but then things like these happen and it turns out they're actually not being transparent in any regard um and i think that's that's the biggest problem that we that um you know we have with the bigger companies is that you know they've got to manage expectations of the players um at the same time as you know establishing a content strategy for you know uh, mm. prolonged releases um, and even even with the first Destiny, I think that Bungie just had that... They, they just didn't have it down pat, you know, like, everyone's going to play the game differently and everyone's going to advance quicker or slower depending on how they play the game, but there just mm. wasn't that content management in place regardless. Like, they had a strategy for content release, but you know, there are some people who are just going to sit on the game until they finish it straight away and then wait for the next release. And of course they're going to be the ones to complain first. Um, and I think, I just think that's, that's, you know, like you, you would have thought they would have learned a bit from destiny one considering how big it was, but it feels like they've just gone back to square one. So like, Mm. you know, credit to them for trying to, to fix things. I like it, you know, it did seem like the, the reparations they tried to make, were you know a lot uh a lot more sort of you know customer focused but at the mm-hmm. same time it still you know shows sort of a lack of focus you know towards you know consumers in the end so 
Yeah. Just just touching on that uh, the loot box thing. Oh, not the uh-huh. loot box, like the the reward, like how they didn't give you as much XP or whatever it is. Sure. I only, yeah. ju- I only just heard about this. There's there's a difference in a way to what say EA has done because the loot boxes in Destiny, like every time you level up in Destiny after you hit level twenty, all you mm. get is a, is a something called a bright engram, which gives mm. you basically one free loot box. So, yeah. but the loot box system in Destiny is purely cosmetic items. And yeah. like things like ships and stuff like that, which are all meaningless essentially. They're just for looks. So, but it, and every time you, it makes sense in that regard that you're not having to grind excessively for, you know, things that you could pay to win effectively. Yeah, I mean, if if you're inclined to want to like just chuck twenty bucks in once a week to try and try your hand at getting a certain ship that you're after, that's fine. Um, yeah. I've done it. I've, I've I've put money into silver on Destiny. I'll, I'll admit it. I'm I'm scum, but um, <laughs> but then but even so, I've got no issue with them sort of tapering XP because yeah. it, that's that's still their form of income. Like that's their prolonged income to like sort of fund like say because there's not every event in Destiny is paid. Like not all content is paid. They do a lot of free things for people along the way. So I'm happy for them to give you these free things every time you level up even if they do taper the xp a bit um so then it still won't discourage those people that do want to put money into it like yeah like i, I, know, I don't it, really it, buy it's, it's the messy. loot boxes the bright engrams are really that much of an appeal that no i mean you would not wanna... not for, not for me either and not not for anyone that wants like they give you no advantage, so yeah, they're purely like is, for is people. Is anyone that, like, really co- counting like the amount of XP they get for the sake of getting to that next? Yeah, that, that's the thing I'd... that surprised me too. Like, who who cares? <laughs> I mean, yeah, once you hit I mean, level obviously 20, people do, people, leveling up means people nothing. Have, but really, why? Why do we care? Like, why do you want this sort of cosmetic yeah. stuff? Like, so I mean, in the, in that sense, it is different to EA because I think, from what I understand, battlefronts do give you some sort of edge in combat. Like, mm. you get like star cards and stuff like that. But um, absolutely. So that's just a minor defense of Destiny, I guess, because it's not exactly the same. It's just cosmetic yeah. crap, like yeah, weapon I, ornaments and stuff like that. That mean I'm, nothing. I think I'm tempted to side with you there. Anyhow, heaps to heaps to think about. If you want to see a list of all the changes, uh, you can head over to the site. Shannon's got a whole post up there. Heaps to digest. Something else you might soon be able to digest is Super Mario cereal, because <laughs> that is apparently a thing. And the box is an amiibo. Uh, Matt, I'm sure you've got an opinion on this. Is this a genius marketing or a bit of a cheap gimmick? Uh, it's both. Um, both okay. But I think, right. I think, I think like, that... Um, I mean, like, 20 years ago, this would have set the gaming world on fire. Everyone would have gone out and wanted, you know, Super Mario cereal and everything. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess, I guess it depends on how much it costs when it comes out and what it actually offers in the end. Um, the whole, like the whole amiibo thing's a bit of a gimmick because basically all it is is a magnetic tag, um, or not a magnetic tag, but an NFC tag that'll be part of the box. Um, so uh-huh. depending on where in the box it is, uh, like you could very well walk into a supermarket and just put your switch up to every single box to cop, you know, different NFC tags. Um, not that we will encourage this definitely behavior. be people doing that but um <laughs> but yeah like i happen. i i think it's great like i i kind of i kind of think it's great like a lot of people have gotten angry about it but i kind of think it's great only because Why? when was the last time when was the last time you saw like a ridiculous kind of tie in like to to something like that 
you know, hit the shelves. Like I remember as a kid, there were, you know, like Pokemon had its face on everything. I remember there was like Pokemon SpaghettiO, you know, cans and stuff like that. Um, and there was like that Pokemon cereal that had awful marshmallow bits in it in, you know, as well as, uh, whatever else. Um, and I just think it's, it's kind of cool that you don't see these things anymore, you know, being a legitimized tie-in. Like the most recent ones I can think of were like, there was a Star Wars cereal, but it was basically just rice bubbles repackaged just like with Star Wars. It wasn't anything you know, special. It wasn't like lightsaber shaped or whatever. So, um, you know, like I can, I can see why there's anger and I can see, you know, cause then you're going to get people coming out and going, I have to go and buy cereal to get an amiibo code and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Cheaper Um, than a normal amiibo. But, um, but yeah, like I, like I would be kind of happy if like, if it offered, you know, depending on what, what, you know, in-game things it offers, I'd be kind of happy going and buying a box of cereal and then you wake up in the morning all excited and you go, I wonder what I'm going to get today. And you pour out a bowl of cereal and, you know, it's kind of disappointing cereal because it always is, but you're just sitting there happily eating and you scan the whole box on your Switch and then, yeah. Matt just threw a lot of shade in the way of cereal. I'm not so cool with that. Cereal is the bomb. I don't know why you'd be angry about this. This is great I, news. I didn't throw shade in cereal. I'm just saying you that said, that particular cereal is probably not going to taste great. Well, uh, according to the box, it's a mixed berry cereal with marshmallow bits. Well, so like, it's, I, it's funny I you brought up the marshmallow bit. <laughs> it, it could taste just like... For all we know, Kellogg's is sitting on... Um, like ancient stocks of the Pokemon cereal, and they're just gonna put it in new boxes. So yeah, I hope not. That'd be gross. Uh, does that does that sound tasty to you, though, Brody? Some uh, mixed berry cereal with marshmallows. It does sound a bit tasty, but um, I think at the same time people are, are being a bit kind to this because it's Mario. I mean, if this was a Battlefront tie-in, people would be tearing it to shreds. Well, like, that's just everything Battlefront at the moment right now, yeah. Yeah, or if anything else, anything not Nintendo. People are just being kind because it's Nintendo. <laughs> and I mean, there's shit tie-ins all over the shop. I mean, I, th- I saw a picture the other day. I don't know if it was real. It could have been a really good Photoshop. But it was like a uh, Last Jedi tie-in, like, uh, cabbage or a lettuce or something was like it that. pineapple? <laughs> no, no, it was, it was a lettuce, oh, I think. I saw, I saw a pineapple. Yeah, like they're doing fruit for The Last Jedi. <laughs> I mean, that's a good way amazing. to get your fruit in. They, but I mean, like, there's shit tie-ins all over the shop. They did mandarins for Force Awakens. Yeah, I yeah, remember I that. Mean, yeah. What is this nonsense? But, so, yeah, I mean, there's no shortage of weird gimmicks and marketing in the world. So, why not have Mario cereal with the yeah. Amiibo box? I agree. And to the it's people complaining about having to buy cereal to get an Amiibo, get over yourself. You're not entitled to these things. No. Just don't buy it. I think the yeah. other anger, the other anger that made me laugh is the fact that they went and compared it to loot boxes. It's like, oh, you're locking content behind it. It's loot boxes and everything. <laughs> and <laughs> I think we've kind of learned, we've kind of learned with Amiibo, like nine times out of ten, like yes, there has been occasional ones where it's like, you know, Amiibo is locked behind, uh, you know, c- content's locked behind specific Amiibo, and of course, it's going to be harder to get that Amiibo now. Like, you know, a lot of the Zelda ones mm. have have certain content locked behind it. Um, and the the Metroid ones have the super duper hard, hard mode, mode or whatever yeah. locked behind it and everything, but I think like that's that goes back to the whole thing is like you know it's it's no one's forcing you to buy cereal, 
Um, mm. You know, no, it's not like someone dressed as uh, Mario is busting into your house and holding a gun to your head um, and telling you to buy cereal. Or like Shigeru Miyamoto's cat kidnapping your parents or something and saying, you know, buy this cereal or um, you won't be able to unlock things in your game. When we start making Presta originals, Matt, we definitely have to film those stories. I love the <laughs> I love the concept of Mario breaking into your house, holding a gun against your head and forcing you to eat cereal. That'd At the end hilarious. of the day, life goes on. You exactly. don't need these amiibos. You life, can still play the games, and they're still life great. Life does go on, and as does this show. So let's play What the Wiki, shall we, guys? If uh, you're unfamiliar, What the Wiki is the game show where the host reads part, either, I guess I'm the host this time around, reads part of the Wikipedia, Wikipedia page for an unknown game, and you, the contestants, must guess the game. I'm going to read out uh, three games, and it's the best of the three that wins the round. Uh, who won last episode? I need to Brody. update my, my score sheet. You did, Brody. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Don't don't you uh, don't you follow Jamie on Twitter? He updates us every week. Oh, do we serious? Does he updating us every week he, now? He he he, t- he tags us all in it. Yeah. Unless you don't get tagged. I didn't see that tweet. Did I? Why I think I I'm on eight, tweet? and I think uh, Matt is on six. Yeah, I believe. Okay. I to be fair, Jamie has got a way better handle on this than I do, so I'm gonna take take his word for it. He is all over it, dudes. He, the dude's awesome. He mentioned something about a prize too. So, but he hasn't elaborated. Yeah. He's organising the prizes now. <laughs> What's going on? He can. He's. I think we've d- decided that he's like the official officiator of uh, what the wiki. He does a far he's better money job organising than I do. He is. He is. I hope he's bankrolling. Oh no, as well. Ewan's. Ewan's not tagged in the tweet. So oh, uh, oh, what the wiki standings God, after episode one twenty two of the Startcast? Eight points, Brody. Six points, me. Three points, Shancake. Two points, Jake. And one point to Stephen and Sh- and uh, well, Camilla. Camilla. That that went. I was going to read a Twitter tag, and I'm like, and I've just like, forgotten her name. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to like Charlie. Uh, yeah, no. So. Okay, so there's a pretty narrow narrow gap between uh, between you and Brody. What is it? Two points. You're Brody on eight. You on six. So uh, Matt, yeah. you have the opportunity it's a, to, it's a to two close the gap race. here. Two, yeah. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't help that I hosted the cast like last time too. So there's like four episodes oh, left of the year or something. Yeah. So really, make it interesting. Oh my god, well, you're so right. If you think about it, yeah. Ooh. Oh my god. Uh, okay, game number one. The game is an action adventure video game developed by Ubisoft Sophia and published by Ubisoft. It is the seventh major installment in the series and acts as a sequel to 2013's release and a prequel to 2012's release, with its final mission being the prologue to 2014's release. It is the last se- last of the series. Yeah, it is the last of the series' games to be released for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Brody, Brody, is it Assassin's Creed Road Rogue? It, it is Assassin's Creed Rogue. Yes, not Road. That was close. I nearly had to say. I yeah, d- didn't know Rogue. which one it was going to be. Assassin's Creed just- Rogue. Okay, there's so many. I just yeah. The the Telltale clue there was the last to be released on the PS3 and Xbox 360. Yeah, I think I think Brody. Yeah, I don't up even remember well. what the last to be released. Uh, was, yeah, when did Syndicate only come out on recent gen? Yeah, yeah. Yep. See, that's that's I where so. I stopped paying yeah. attention. So, Assassin's Creed Rogue <laughs> was back in the news this week because there was talks of it being released on re-released oh, on the Xbox One and the PS4. Uh, so that may well that. indeed change. Um, Alright, game number two. Brody, if you get this, you'll be taking home the points once again. The game is a board game where players roll two six-sided dice to move around the game board buying and trading properties and develop them with houses and hotels. Brody. Brody. Six-sided dice? Oh, you got me there. I was a Monopoly gamer? 
it, it is it is just Monopoly. I wanted to go Monopoly okay. Gamer because we had a, a bargain guide up about Since that this is- week. But uh, Since when it is, is there six sided dice in Monopoly? Two oh, six sides, of dice. course. All dice have six sides. Yeah. <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, well done, Brody. That takes you up to, to nine mm. points, stretching that lead out even further. What happened this week, Matt? Matt, are you there? I got really confused. <laughs> yeah. He was thrown I, by a board game. He's like, huh? <laughs> I told you there was going to be a curveball as well. Let's put it this way, Matt. You've got to win. To win what the wiki this year, you've got to win four weeks on the trot. You've got to go on a tear for the damn, next month. That's okay. I'm, damn, I'm, I'm happy to hand on. over the I'm happy to hand over the title of champion. No, this year, don't, so. don't give up. Don't, don't give roll up. over that easy. Come on, that's no fun. That's not the Matt I know. Yeah. You're not the man I married. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, let's bring an end to what was episode one hundred and twenty three of the Startcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Podcast One or any other podcast service of your choice. Just search the Startcast. Follow Press Start on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Press.au, as well as visiting the site, of course, at Press.com.au. You can join the conversation by tweeting us at Press.au or use the hashtag, hashtag the Startcast. I've been your host, Ewan Roxburgh. You can follow me on Twitter at Ewan underscore Roxburgh. And joining us today was Matt. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at MVZamari or on Instagram at MatthewVZ. I post a lot of photos I took on film. Or you can find Very me in lovely. your local you can find me in your local supermarket scanning Super Mario cereal with my Switch. <laughs> That's if they come to Australia. Hopefully they do. Uh, anyway. And joining us joining us today also was Brody. Thank you. You can uh, follow me on most socials at Brody underscore DG. Nice and clean, precise. He's not going to be in any worths of scanning any cereal no, boxes. No, I, of it. <laughs> I, I, I'm a Coles man. A co- oh, okay, all right. That's going to be a discussion for another day. He's going to be too busy uh, buying loot boxes in Destiny. So yeah, I'll be pouring all my money into silver. You know what the amazing thing about the UK is, is that they have so many different supermarkets. It's, I'm so used to the duopoly that is Australia that here it's just ridiculous. What's the big one there? Like a Pe- Sainsbury or something? Tesco. Tesco is the big one, but there's a Sainsbury, oh. there's Aldi, Sainsbury, there's Lidl, right. there's a place called Iceland, which just specializes in frozen goods, which is just blows I mean, my mind. I mean, we've got a lot too. you got Woolies, Coles, like IGA, Aldi. Foodworks. Food yeah. Food there's, there's a few. I mean, uh, don't IGN Foodworks, and they also like fall into the independent category anyhow. Like they're all sort of independently owned. They just kind of come under one. Leo's brand, right? supermarkets. We're gonna what the wiki supermarket chains next week. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, happy gaming. Bye. <laughs>